20 minutes on the clock after a very long hiatus, but here we are. Marin, it's great to see you again. It has been a long time since we recorded, but we're going to revitalize, reinvigorate this podcast that has had such great reach to all the people that we love. Um, it's good to see you again. Yeah, you too. And I think it's perfect. You know, the time of year and all of that lends itself to just kind of going into hibernation. So totally. I think we were both feeling that way and it's all good. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I have both been busy, very, very busy. We can we can do a little bit of sharing here, but you and I were just riffing a little bit before we hit record on the typical rigors of life. And I'm awaiting a birth now in the next, who, who knows when, it could be any day now up in Indiana. And I'm finally living the like actual life of an out-of-hospital birth worker where it's like, You've got all the normal daily stuff. You've got your business. You've got your podcast. You've got this podcast that we haven't been giving enough love to recently. And we've got a little girl that's not sleeping and she's regressing a little bit. It's just the the, the realities of of parenting. So uh, you were sharing a little bit about, about Cove. Um, can you just reiterate what you were saying? Because I think there's some some <clears throat> some juice there. And you, for those of you listening, remember, Marin has 10 children. 10 living, breathing people that are relying on her to keep them alive. (laughs) Yeah, 10 living, breathing creatures. So yeah, Cove is three. So she's not the baby. She's one older than the baby. But I was saying how she's kind of hit that regression. Or I mean, there's many regressions, I think. And maybe that's not even the right word. But to be frank, she's just been acting like a baby. And <laughs> what I was... baby. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I think there's definitely sweetness there when you're not the baby anymore and the baby gets all of the attention. And you know, the same could be said sure. for Penny too, right? Like mm. there is such a somber sweetness there. Like you are three, but you're not the baby in this family. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she's just been needing extra um you know, not going to sleep. This is her thing at night. She doesn't want to go to sleep. She tells me, I don't remember how to sleep. And I don't know what that means. So in my case, I have older kids she can hang Mm. out with and she's been doing that. But yeah, just uh, it's a little frustrating at times. So I know you've been experiencing that as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a journey. And granted, I'm many years behind you. Uh, Amelia is what, 20 now? 19? Yeah, she's 20. She's 20 now. Wow. And she is your oldest. And Egan she is, is the oldest. turning 19 or he's already 19. Egan is 18. 18. He just turned 18. Wow. So yeah. That's amazing. It's been a long time since they were babies, so. Yeah, right. At least they can find food to eat and they can drive themselves <laughs> to get it if they don't have it in the house. Um, the The big challenge we're having is now that I'm kind of on call, so to speak, for the first time in a long time. Um, on call in such a way that like I need to get in the car and go. Um, it's hard. It's hard to balance out. I mean, I know we've talked about this on the show before, but it's it's hard to balance out the needs of your family, the needs of your own self, the self care piece, and not wanting to leave your client, you know, out in the cold. Um, I'm actually missing a trip to Mexico in order to attend this birth. This couple actually had some serious financial something happen, and I I won't get into the details there, but it was enough that I was like, God. Like they don't have any midwife in their area because a lot of parts of the country don't have much midwifery access for out of hospital birth, but they don't have a midwife in the area. They really like my style. And I was like, I'm happy to attend your birth, but 
I wouldn't recommend hiring me because I'm going to be in Mexico. And so then this financial thing happened because <clears throat> I, I was like, you could fly me home, but who knows when I'll get there. You, know, you just never know with flights. And um, it's right around Christmas, so you get inclement weather and this and that. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not, there's not a great chance that I'll be able to be there. And they hit this financial pitfall and it was like, well, shit, they're going to be left without a birth attendant. Like, that's not great either. I mean, for some people it might be okay, but for them, they really wanted to have somebody there and there's nobody else around. So I, if, I felt maybe a boundary should have been set, but for me it was like, I can't possibly now unsee what I've seen and heard about your story mm. and not go to your birth. But you compound all of the stuff that's going on with raising little kids, a toddler and Evie's a little over one now. They're both doing great, but the it's not like it gets easier once they're out of infancy now there's actually quite a bit more and we're learning that with with penny i just don't know how you've done it with so many kids i mean it's it has been so hard on us so kudos to you <laughs> it's a lot oh. life is a lot adulting yeah <laughs> yeah life is a lot and you're also doing a great job and how does it feel to be on call in that way it's been a long time for you and and not even in this sort of like realm which is, yeah. you know, you're the only one that's going to be called. <laughs> yeah. You know, the continuation of residency for me was now I'm a full-time fellow at the U University of California in San Diego, and I'm working at a hospital in Encinitas, which is about a 40-minute drive from my house. And I was doing nights there, and I was doing fellowship during the day. So it was only on weekends that I was working overnight, but um, I was so exhausted, and I was in a call room down the hall from a person who's, who's giving birth. And, um, I learned at that hospital that there is very, like, it was validating for me. Cause it was like, there's very little reason for me to wake up in the middle of the night. If they're waking me up, cause we, I developed a great relationship. And by the way, Scripps Encinitas is probably the best hospital in which to give birth as far as hospitals go. I mean, I was so impressed by the staff there and they were very willing to like, let's do less in the middle of the night. Let's just less intervention altogether. Um, so that was the extension from residency. And then I took a step further from that. And then I was just a laborist overnight, like a 24 hour call once a week at a local hospital here where we actually gave birth to, to Penny our first. And, uh, again, you're in a call room, they just ring you up and you run down the hall, you know, from the moment they call you to the moment that that baby comes out, let's say by C-section was, could have been t 10 minutes. I mean, it could have, they could have already been in the process of getting them ready and they knew what was going to happen. And, so anyways, um, for me to be on call and having to, I've got like my box of goodies, <laughs> Sarah Rosser is giving me some extra Pitocin because there's a shortage right now and some methrogen she has just as like my backup hemorrhage medications. Um, I probably wouldn't use them anyways, but Hey, might as well have them. And, uh, it is my first where I'm the first, it's my, my first primary attendance to a birth in a home. I've been to them mm -hmm. as like the backup or the fly on the wall and this and that. So I get it, but it's very different to be the person whose phone rings and you, you go. It's, it's really, it's actually very scary to me in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that you're bringing this up. I think that's the, that's the real question at hand. Not that kids aren't important, but that's a whole new world for you. And yeah, I'm curious just how that will evolve. Yeah. Because you're right. It's, um, it is a lot of pressure in a sense. And I don't have 
the history that you have to compare it to. So I don't know anything else, but I also really appreciate being off call, which I am right now. Yeah. So I definitely, I definitely know the stress of just having your phone plugged in all the time and, you know, all the stuff, all yeah. the things that go into it. Yeah. Even, even having your phone off at night, like my phone goes on airplane mode and it stays in the kitchen overnight. Like I don't have yeah, my not phone anymore. Not anymore. It's right next to my damn head on oh, my, yeah. next to my pillow. So <laughs> Um, one story I, story I always share is that when you're so, and this goes for any birth worker out there, if you are so tired that you don't wake up without your phone right like next to your ear, you probably need to reevaluate the volume of people you're taking. Because to do this, yeah. I mean, some midwives, even in my collaborator program, they're going to like 10 to 15 births a month. Which I do not understand. Is, I don't even see how that's physically possible for I a person to understand. do that. I don't understand. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'll say in my, in my last peer review that I had with my collaborative midwives, um, they were, we were, we were talking about, um, one of the midwives was sharing that they've always been a, a hospital based midwife, a certified nurse midwife, and now they're attending home births, but they're not ready to actually take on the client yet because they're, they, um, are going into the experience with this feeling of dread, this fear that something bad's going to happen. And I'm not so mm-hmm. sure you can work through that without just jumping in and and putting your your thinking cap on and trying to calm down and control your own nervous system during that process. On the other hand, I would be lying if I said this is a little intimidating to me. Like what you guys do in the home birth community, this is really intimidating. Cuz I show up and I have to do all of the things and I've never been in that position even in the hospital. I didn't have to reach for the instruments. It was like call for it and it's handed to you. I mean it's <laughs> Everything is already there. The the birth, the clamp or whatever, the umbilical cord clamp. It's right there. It's like I put my hand out and some angel <laughs> delivers it. <laughs> yeah. So I have to get that. You know, one of the 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 themes of that last peer review was like, yes, it's it's good to be vigilant and to be thoughtful about the possibilities, and be curious about what might happen, and be prepared for that. But ultimately, you have to come in and drop that cloth of fear. And really show up in presence and patience and in confidence in what you can do. And despite having been to all these births, this, this, you know, anybody out there who hasn't apprenticed as a midwife, buckle up because I've been to thousands of births and I still am like, oh my gosh, this is out of my domain. Like I got to, I got to work on that. And that's actually been, since you asked, that's been the great deal of work for me yeah. is, is yes, it's okay to be. Uh, vigilant, but you're not showing up to the birth in a, a state of fear because your clients are going to pick on that, pick up on that immediately if you don't feel like you have the skills to do this thing. And I know I do, but I'm still working through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's humbling for all of us given the amount of births you've seen, but I think it's also a rethinking about it all, you know, like our role and what we're called there to do typically yeah and also just the trust in the process and and the divine really you know i was saying to students the other day that all the shit in your birth bag isn't worth anything if like you don't know how to use it or you overuse it or god forbid you go to a birth and you know you came from somewhere else and you don't have anything like would you be able to function with confidence and trust at a birth without a bunch of stuff. And I think we have to find our way to that too, you know, and just 
know that we have what we need and our hands are so valuable and the way we connect with energy is so valuable. And I don't know, I'm saying that for, for me too, because it really takes the pressure off you needing to construct this experience. Like you're just there. You're just yeah. showing up because yeah. you were invited. You happen to have some skills. Um, but this woman can birth her baby. So no well, she also had a, uh, her first baby was a surprise breach at home. And in that, in this oh, wow. particular state, the midwives, the license, if you have a license, you're not allowed, allowed, there's that stupid word. Oh, we no, hate. don't you're tell You're not me. allowed to have your hands on the birth. So this woman basically, I mean, you can't call it a free birth based on the strict definition that, you know, you're not being observed or whatever, but she effectively had, she birthed her own baby and it, the baby was breach and she That's did amazing. it and Good just did great. I mean, she was a f- fucking warrior. So for me, that's my first client. Like I'm set. Like this woman can do this. Yes. <laughs> I'm just yeah, there to help. What, they don't need you. <laughs> they don't I need mean, me. They want you, and that's much great. <laughs> yeah, they want you, and that's that's beautiful. And you'll add to the experience in the ways that you do. But yeah, like take the pressure off yourself. Like that that woman does not She's need anything this. from She's you. She's got this. <laughs> I I yeah. totally I I 100% agree. Um, and I think I, you know, we don't have to talk about this now cause our time's probably coming up, but I do think that any birth worker out there with a lot of experience, I think you, you, sh- you owe it to yourself and to your clients to be very selective with the people that you work with, because if your core values around birth are not in alignment, I think it's better that you're like, I appreciate what you need from me. I don't know if this is a great fit. And for any person out there looking for a birth worker, if you get the sense that you guys aren't in alignment, a lot of people advertise they're very hands-off, they're very this and that. They have like these beautiful pastel-colored Instagram posts or whatever. But if in the moment they're in your shit and they're just like wired up and it looks like they're just, their head's about to pop off at all times, is that the person you really want? You just don't know unless your values are really in alignment. So um, I've always been accused, I don't know if I told you this, but when I was in the operating room as a resident, um, I was actually fairly good surgically, like I was good with knots and the instruments and I, I was very, you know, precise with my needles and blah, blah, blah. And uh, in one of my reviews, they did like a six month review. It was later in residency. I was criticized. I'm sure I've told you this. I was criticized for being too calm in the operating room. And I've, I've carried that with me. <laughs> I have not heard that. And you how heard is that, that a bad thing? I exactly. It was like, oh, I I don't know how to take that. Is that a positive or negative? It was it was listed as like areas for improvement. Too calm in the operating room. So I mean mm-hmm. that's that says a lot about who I am. It also says a lot about residency training and perhaps the person who was giving the evaluation that maybe they are in that sort of high strung space all the time and they thought I should have been there with mm-hmm. them as their as my supervisor. But um, maybe some people would resonate with that energy in their birth. I don't know. But for me, if I was having a baby and for this client that I'm attending to, like they want this to be as chill as possible. And I'm totally cool with just being like, yeah, baby's coming out. Let me know. Let me know if I can be helpful. How can I be helpful? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think a lot of women don't even know that's an option, of course. Right. And they think a home birth means a certain thing. And then in hindsight, maybe are disappointed about the fearful energy or maybe even the complication that ensued due to the fearful energy, because those things, of course, are related, which, you know, is my number one motivation also for keeping my feet on the ground and doing the nervous system work, because you don't need to be the problem. Right. And 
that would be silly. It would be yeah. silly to add to what's already happening. That's so right. if we can not add uh, at least negativity, then, you know, we're doing a good thing. Got to shed that before this birth. That's kind of the goal right now. Well, I mean, same same lines I was speaking of before, but remind yourself that like women are having babies all the time, everywhere in the world, right now, without anyone at all, and possibly in not good health or whatever, right? right. Like babies come out, babies come out, babies come out. And the more we can just hold that. And yeah, of course we have other things in our back pocket, but um, it's really, it's really so rare, especially for somebody that has already had a successful home birth. That's right. Yeah. She trusts it. She knows it. She's actually so calm that I've, I've been like, can you reach out to me once in a while and just tell me how things are going? She's like, Oh yeah, I just, uh, just occupied with my toddler. You know, she's got a three-year-old as well. And, um, it says a lot. It says a lot whenever our clients, like they seem almost too chill. It's like, you're going to have a baby, <laughs> but I'm cool, with yeah. that. I'm cool with that energy. Yeah. I mean, I've always said that, like, you know, it's okay for women to need more as well, of course, especially with a first baby, but the women that aren't terribly needy, um, and know that at the end of the day, like this is their thing and they're responsible. I think there's something so freeing about that because that allows me to not care either in the best way. Like, of course I care, but to just kind of let go of like, well, what if this and what if yeah. that? It's like, if you're not the worried, woman I'm not is worried. fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right exactly. On. It's the hardest thing though sometimes. We'll do a little, uh, we'll do another, we'll do a follow-up recording after that birth and I can share my experiences as at my first primary attendance. <laughs> yes, I will look forward to hearing that story and hearing how you felt in it. That's going to be really fun. Really, sense, really yeah. fun. But I'm I'm happy for you. That's so great. And I think, yeah, even with all your experience, right? Like that's going to be such, such teachings for you from that family. And I'm always into that too. Yeah, likewise. Alrighty. Well, I think this is a good one. I think this is a good re, you know, reboot. Um, I'll see you soon. We'll record another one. Yeah, sounds great. Talk to you later. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.